We're going to be in Judges 11 tonight. We concluded Judges 10 last week. And what we saw was is that the Philistines and the Ammonites were coming against the Israelites. And they were crying out to the Lord, and the Lord said, Well, I'm not going to help you. You call on the, on the other gods that you've been worshiping, let them help you. And uh, they continued to plead with the Lord. They got rid of their idols. They, they were turning from their old ways. And they were, they were trying to figure out, what are we going to do? Who's going to deliver us? Now, they kind of knew the pattern uh, at this point. The Israelites did. Uh, we've seen this pattern continue throughout the book of Judges. They sin. Uh, God sends somebody to help them. They get delivered. They live at peace for a little while. They sin. They relent. God sends somebody to, to, to deliver them. And that's been the cycle, and that's continuing to be the cycle. And so we are uh, picking up there with the Israelites uh, facing a new enemy, this time the Philistines. And in particular, in chapter 11 here tonight, really, uh, we're going to be focusing on the Ammonites. Now, we're going to try to read through a lot. I won't have too much to say. We won't go verse by verse. Uh, we're just kind of getting the story set up uh, for, for what's going to be coming next week as we learn about Jephthah tonight. Jephthah is the judge we are learning about tonight. You may have heard that name before. And Jephthah's story is quite interesting. It's, uh, it's a lot to consider, uh, most of which we will talk about next week. But we're just going to kind of get things set up. Uh, tonight uh, in Judges chapter 11. And we'll start in verse 1, give everybody a chance to get there. We'll pray, and then we'll get started. Father God, I pray that you just would help us to understand these words that we're going to read, to understand what's going on, God, to get something from what we read here, to understand uh, this story and these characters and what's going on so that we can understand this story as a whole and what we look at next week, dear Lord, that we can maybe make some sense out of it. I pray that you would just help my mind to, to not be uh, scattered tonight, dear Lord, that it'll just everything will calm down and I can think straight and that I can preach and teach, dear Lord, in a way that's going to uh, help your word to be understood better by each one of us. And I pray that the Holy Spirit will just do a work through the reading of your word tonight. And I pray that you just would give me the right words to say. And I pray that you get all the glory tonight from these words. And I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, we'll read through these first few verses here and kind of see uh, what's going on. In verse 1, Jephthah the Gileadite was a great warrior, but he was the son of a prostitute, and Gilead was his father. Gilead's wife bore him sons, and when they grew up, they drove Jephthah out and said to him, You will have no inheritance in our father's house, because you are the son of another woman. So Jephthah fled from his brothers and lived in the land of Tob. Then some lawless men joined Jephthah and traveled with him. Sometime later, the Ammonites fought against Israel. When the Ammonites made war with the Israel, excuse me, with Israel, the elders of Gilead went to get Jephthah from the land of Tob. They said to him, "Come, be our commander, and let's fight against the Ammonites." Jephthah replied to the elders of Gilead. Didn't you hate me and drive me from my father's house? Why then have you come to me now when you're in trouble? They answered Jephthah, Since that's true, we now turn to you. Come with us, fight the Ammonites, and you will become leader of all the inhabitants of Gilead. So here we are introduced to this new judge, Jephthah. 
and he is the one who they are calling on to help him. Now, we don't know much about Jephthah, although I guess what's most important to know about him is what's in the first sentence, that he was a great warrior. Uh, and so that's why they would have gone to him. Obviously, they knew that he was a great warrior, even though he had been kind of cast out from their community. Because he was the son of a prostitute, uh, his brothers didn't look at him as equal uh, because they had different mothers, and so he was kicked out. But now that they were in trouble and the Ammonites had come against them, they needed a great warrior. They needed somebody to lead them. You may remember that from the close of chapter 10. Who's going to lead us, they said. Who's going to lead us against the Ammonites? Well, it, they decided that it needed to be Jephthah. And so because he was a great warrior, they approached him and they said, Look, come deliver us. Come help us out. Come, come help us to, 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 to get past these Ammonites. And he said, Now, wait a minute. Why are you coming to me? Didn't you kick me out? Why are you coming to me now to help you when you're in trouble? You didn't want my help earlier. Uh, you wanted to get rid of me. Uh, and they insisted, Please come help us. If, if you come help us, we'll make you our leader. And so they are trying to persuade Jephthah to come and to help them. Now, it says that Jephthah had made some friends along the way. Some of your translations will say a, uh, that there were some lawless men that were with him, or some vain men, or some worthless men there. Uh, it's hard to know exactly which of those is right. But he obviously had some company, and depending on what your translation says, it, it, we may interpret it as being bad company. Uh, if, it, if you have the lawless translation, you may think, well, these might be a bunch of thugs. Or if it's worthless people, uh, maybe you could say, well, maybe they're not bad people. Maybe they're in the same boat as Jephthah. Maybe they're just outcasts. They're not necessarily bad. Now, the reason why I bring that up is because as we read through this story of Jephthah, and particularly next week, there are... There are a couple of different main ways, really, that we could take, take uh, Jephthah and, and, and determining, is he a good man or is he a bad man? Uh, now, there are many people who believe that he is, he's kind of a bad guy. There are other Christians who believe that he's a good guy. There are Christians who believe both. And I think that we could probably make an argument from the text and the context of this whole chapter for both cases, because the, the, the text is kind of ambiguous, really. It's, it's hard to know. And so I mention that because we'll want to keep that in mind, and particularly next week as we try to decide, well, what did Jephthah do, and did what he do, was it right or was it wrong? Uh, so you'll just have to come back next week when it gets to the, to the tough part of the story. So he was with some men. They were either lawless or they were worthless. Could have just been, they could have been bad guys. They could have just been outcasts like him and not necessarily that bad. So here we have Jephthah, and we know a little bit about him. We know the company he was with, and we know that he uh, was a great warrior, and we know that the people uh, of Gilead wanted him to come fight for them and to lead them. So in verse 9, Jephthah said, So Jephthah said to them, If you are bringing me back to fight the Ammonites, and the Lord gives them to me, I will be your leader. Now, again, the translations differ here a little bit. Some have that as a statement, I will be your leader, and some have that as a question, I will be your leader question. Uh, he's questioning them. Now, does he have a desire to be a leader and rule over them? Uh, maybe he does. I don't really know. It's, it's hard to know there. If he's asking a question, uh, maybe he's a proud man and he likes that power. Maybe he kind of falls in the same vein as Abimelech did. 
or maybe not. Maybe he's just wanting to make sure that they're not going to turn their back on him again. Uh, maybe he's wanting to make sure that he's got some control over a situation and they're not going to bring him in and they're not going to use him. Uh, again, that's a detail that makes this hard to understand. You make it say, well, he's trying to, he's trying to uh, get some power here so he can rule over them. Well, maybe that's his angle or maybe it's not. It's kind of difficult, at least for me, to know through this story. But in verse 10, the elders of Gilead said to Jephthah, the Lord is our witness. If we don't do as you say, so Jephthah went with the leaders of Gilead. The people put him over themselves as leader and commander. And Jephthah repeated all his terms in the presence of the Lord at Mizpah. So they got their guy. They got the guy that they wanted. The people of Gilead wanted Jephthah to come and lead them to help deliver them from the Ammonites. And they got the guy that they wanted. Now, in the story of Jephthah, it's a little different than some of the other stories that we've read. In particular, the story of Gideon and the story of Deborah and Barak. Because if you remember those stories, they were both chock full of details of the battle that took place and how it was carried out and how the enemy was destroyed and driven out and how they were killed, the ones who were killed. All of those were given to us in great detail for Deborah and Barak and uh, for uh, Gideon that we just read about over the last few weeks. In the story of Jephthah, though, there's only going to be two verses that we'll get to next week that actually talk about the battle that's going to take place. It's very briefly covered. Most of the story of Jephthah has to do with what happens before the battle, which we're about to read, and what's going to happen after those two verses that talk about the battle. And so the battle is not so much uh, what the focus is here. That's not what the author of Judges is trying to point out to us here. Uh, instead, there's something uh, that's a little more important that's going to be pointed out to us as we read along. So now that Jephthah was the guy and he was in charge, he begins to, uh, to, to see what he's going to do to try to solve this problem, and hopefully, maybe in a peaceable way, but we'll see what happens. Verse 14. Jephthah again, uh, excuse me, verse 12. Jephthah sent messengers to the king of the Ammonites, saying, What do you have against me, that you have come to fight against me in my land? The king of the Ammonites said to Jephthah's messengers, when Israel came from Egypt, they seized my land from, from Arnon to the Jabbok and the Jordan. Now restore it peaceably. So here's the conflict. It's land. Now, this is not hard for us to understand that there's a conflict over land. Some of you probably have been involved in conflicts over land, and it does not take much just a sliver of land. That's my sliver of land. So people will fight over land, and that's what was going on here. The king of the Ammonites said, all right, here's the problem we have with you Israelites. You have taken our land. Now, the king of the Ammonites here, he says, now restore it peaceably. He said, just give it back to us. Everything's going to be okay. There will be no problems. So Jephthah now has the information. He knows what the problem is, why the Ammonites are coming against Israel. And now he responds to the king of Ammon to kind of fill him in on what actually happened and to explain to him, look, we haven't taken any of your land. Verse 14, Jephthah again sent messengers to the king of the Ammonites to tell him, this is what Jephthah says, Israel did not take away the land of Moab or the land of the Ammonites. But when they came from Egypt, Israel traveled through the wilderness to the Red Sea and came to Kadesh. Israel sent messengers to the king of Edom saying, Please let us travel through your land. But the king of Edom would not listen. They also sent messengers to the king of Moab. 
but he refused. So Israel stayed in Kadesh. Then they traveled through the wilderness and around the lands of Edom and Moab. They came to the east side of the land of Moab and camped on the other side of Arnon, but did not enter into the territory of Moab, for the Arnon was the boundary of Moab. Then Israel sent messengers to the king of the Amorites, king of Heshbon. Israel said to him, Please let us travel through your land to our country. But Sihon would not trust Israel to pass through the territory. Now, we have the scene set, and that's kind of a lot to wrap our heads around, not being familiar with the story. Some of you may be familiar with it. You may kind of have pieced together what's going on. But, but that's probably a story that, that may not be fresh in our minds. Well, we won't go through all of the story tonight, but I'll tell you, you can read about it in Numbers chapter 21 and 22 and in Deuteronomy chapter 2. If you read those chapters, it will give you a good understanding of what's taking place right here. Now, obviously, Jephthah knows the history of Israel pretty well because he has given pretty specific details about their route and where they went and where they weren't allowed to go and the events that took place. Now, on our map, if you can remember in your mind, on the east side of the Jordan, that's where all of these places are that we're talking about. Edom, Moab, and Ammon. Those are all kind of on the southeastern part of the Jordan River. Now, if you go all the way back to Genesis, chapter 19, you will see the birth of Moab and Ammon. Now, if you go back further than that, you may remember that there was Abraham and there was Lot. And they split up. They had their herds. There was a conflict between all the herdsmen. And so Abraham said, all right, Lot, you go one way, and whichever way you go, I'm going to go the other way. So Lot saw this land that was kind of to the southeast of the Jordan, and that's where he took his flocks. That's where he settled. And so that's where Lot and his descendants were. Now, Lot's daughters uh, acted kind of wicked, and they ended up getting pregnant by their father, and they both had a child, one of which was Moab and one of which was Ammon. That's where we see the descendants of the Moabites and the Ammonites. So they're kind of related to the Israelites in some way. They're distant relatives. We also have Edom mentioned here. Edom are the descendants of Esau. And all of those places are kind of in the same area. This is the land that's in question. Now, Jephthah is very clear to say, look, we did not take any land from Ammon and Moab. Why is that? Because in Deuteronomy chapter 2, God specifically told Israel, do not take anything from the Ammonites. Don't come against them. Don't take anything from the Moabites. Don't come against them. And so Israel did not. They did not take any land from the Moabites or the Ammonites. Instead, as it's recounted by Jephthah, they passed around these different areas that they weren't supposed to take land from. Now, these areas would have been right along their path as they came up behind on the east side of the Jordan River. They would have gone through all these places. They eventually, though, would have had to have gone west because they had to go across the Jordan. They requested from the leaders of these places, please let us pass, but nobody would let them pass. Now, word had gotten around about Israel. Everybody had probably heard about Israel, and nobody would let them pass through. Now, Israel was, was pretty nice in their request. You'll see that if you go back and read those chapters I told you about. And nobody would let them pass through. There was a king that's brought up here, though, and that is Sihon, the king of the Amorites. And they asked to go through, and he would not let them go through. Well, long story short, 
they ended up having to uh, overtake the king and overtake the Amorites to go about their way. Now, they overtook all the land that the Amorites uh, had, had, had accrued for themselves. Now, some of that land, quite possibly, uh, that the Amorites had may have been led, uh, land that King Sihon had taken from the Ammonites. It's possible that King Sihon was behind some of the land that was taken. But the Israelites did not take any land uh, except for the land they took for the Amor- from the Amorites, which was okay. That was not a command from God that they weren't supposed to take anything from them. And God had handed them over to, uh, had handed the Amorites over to the Israelites. So the scene is set for us, and Jephthah knows this story. He knows the details of what took place. And so the conflict is here that this king of, of Ammon says, look, you are in our land. And Jephthah says, no, we're not in your land, and here's why. We went around your land, specifically not to go into your land and to take your land. Let's continue on. Then Israel sent messengers to Sihon, king of the Amorites, king of Heshbon, Israel said to him, Please let us travel through your land to our country. But Sahan would not trust Israel to pass through the territory. Instead, Sahan gathered all the people, camped at Jahaz, and fought with Israel. Then the Lord God of Israel handed over Sahan and all his people to Israel, and they defeated them. So Israel took possession of the entire land of the Amorites who lived in that country. They took possession of all the territory of the Amorites from the Arnon to the Jabbok and from the wilderness to the Jordan. Now, the Bible does not tell us that the Amorites had taken land from the Ammonites, and maybe that's where the confusion comes from. That's just a theory. That's one possibility as to what this king of Ammon may be talking about. Or he may just be crazy. He may have just wanted the land and said, nope, you give us some of your land, and Israel said no, and that's why the conflict ensued. Or there could have been a reason behind it. The text isn't clear. Uh, Verse 23, The Lord God of Israel has now driven out the Amorites before his people Israel. And will you now force us out? Isn't it true that you may possess whatever your God, Kamash, drives out for you? And we may possess everything the Lord our God drives out before us? Now, sounds to me like he's kind of taking a little jab. Hey, you can have what your God gives you, and we're going to have what our God gives us. Now, whose God do you think is going to win? Well, of course it's going to be Israel's God is going to win out here. Jephthah says, look, our God gave us this land. It was the Lord who fought for us and with us and allowed us to overtake our enemies. This is our land. Should your God desire for you to have land, then your God will give you that land. Let's read a little further, verse 25. Now, are you any better than Balak, son of Zippur, king of Moab? Did he ever contend with Israel or fight against them? Now, we won't talk much about Balak, but you can uh, read about the story of Balak and Balaam. Balaam was the one uh, that Balak wanted to put a curse on Israel. And Balaam uh, refused to put the curse on Israel, but Balaam wasn't a terribly good guy. He's, he did kind of act deceptively uh, to turn Israel over to Balak. Uh, but Balak wouldn't come against Israel unless that curse had been placed against him. And so he, re, he refers to this old story uh, here uh, that took place between uh, Balak and, and Balaam. Uh, back in those days. And he says, Now are you any better than Balak, son of Zippor, king of Moab? Did he ever contend with or fight against them? While Israel lived 300 years in Heshbon and its villages, and in Aror and its villages, and in all the cities that are on the banks of the Arnon, why didn't you take them back at that time? So Jephthah says, 
We've been here for 300 years. Why are you just now deciding you want this land? You're just now deciding that this is your land? Well, the statute of limitations is up. We've been here 300 years. Uh, you're not going to get the land back at this point. Uh, it would be no different than the Native Americans. We've been here probably about 300 years, give or take a few years. And uh, guess what? They were here when we got here. Well, it's their land, right? Well, we overtook it from them, right or wrong. We overtook it. Well, they could come back and say, this is our land. We want it back. But guess what? They're not going to get it back. Nobody's going to give whatever land that you've acquired. You're not going to give it to some Native American who comes and says, my great-great ancestors used to have this land 300 years ago before uh, you guys come and took it from us. Well, it had passed. 300 years has passed. What is done was done. Jephthah said, look, you're going to come at us now after 300 years. You're now deciding that this is your land and you're going to come and try to get it from us. In verse 27, I have not sinned against you, but you have wronged me by fighting against me. Let the Lord who is the judge decide today between the Israelites and the Ammonites. But the king of the Ammonites would not listen to Jephthah's message that he sent him. So we have a lengthy lead up to the battle that's about to take place. It's going to be a very brief battle, uh, but we have a lot of detail about what happened leading up to this. Now, uh, Jephthah, I think, was, was wise in trying to explain the situation and trying to get uh, this king of Ammon to listen and to try to work things out peaceably, uh, but that was not going to be the case. Uh, if there's anything maybe we could take from this first part of the story is maybe we should try to resolve some of our conflicts in the same way to make sure we know the details and to make sure that we do the best we can not to uh, end the, the, the situation in a conflict, but try to resolve it as best we can. But in the case of Jephthah, uh, things went from bad to worse. Not so much in the battle, but the things that occurred after the battle. And that is what we'll talk about next week. Let's pray. Father God, we come to you and we thank you for these words today. And I pray that, that we understand what's going on here and try to piece it all together. It's a lot of places and moving around and history to, to study. But dear Lord, we got to try to understand this as best we can so we can understand this story and how it unfolds and how it plays out, dear Lord. So I pray that you just help us as we study this chapter this week and next week to kind of soak these things in and uh, help us to have ears and, and, and a heart that's kind of tuned in to, to, to take in everything we're going we're gonna to study about and talk about so we can make heads or tails of it as best we can, dear Lord. And whatever we don't understand, well, just help us to trust you just the same, dear Lord, to know that you're in control. So I pray that as we study this chapter uh, that it'll be a good chapter to us and that we can learn more about you and grow in it. And I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.